What's going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of 20 Minutes Fitness. Today we are back with another one of our co-hosted episodes and I'm really excited about this one. It's with a good friend of mine, Robert Stevenson, who is a professional rugby player. And in this episode, he's going to be running us through a day in the life of a professional athlete. We're going to be touching on themes such as recovery, nutrition, and mental health side of uh, physical exercise as well. So a lot to cover in this one, so definitely stick around till the end. But before we dive into this, a massive thank you to our sponsor, Shape. As you know, Shape are building Shape Scale, a 3D body scanning scale where you step onto it and a robotic arm spins all around your body, capturing all sorts of body data. This data is then transferred to the app on your phone. So on your phone, you'll be able to see a 3D photorealistic avatar of your body from all different angles, making it much easier to see how you're visually progressing. And you'll also get the quantitative data as well. So your body fat percentage, how that's changing, your, your lean muscle mass, your muscle girth measurements, and much, much more. So definitely check it out at shapescale.com. But now let's get into the show and find out how Rob's day is structured and what it takes to be a professional athlete when it comes to your training and your nutrition. But enough of that, let's begin the show and introduce Rob to 20 Minute Fitness. So we are now joined by my good friend, Rob Stevenson. Rob, firstly, thank you very much for joining us today and just uh, for sharing your story with us. If you could start off by just introducing yourself and yeah, telling us a bit about how you've got to where you are today. Hi, Charlie. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's uh, really, really pleased to be here chatting to you. Obviously, as you know, I uh, after graduating from from uni, I uh, took the opportunity to sign a sign a pro contract uh, playing rugby union in London with London Scottish. I'm coming to the end of my third season now, and yeah, I've played almost almost 50, 50 pro games in three seasons and, and loving it. Awesome, mate. Awesome. And how how have you uh, really got yourself to that level? Do you think what makes you know you stand out as a player to get to a professional standard rather than someone who could be considered very good at college or uh, university in the UK? I think in my uh, in my school years, I think you know I think I was probably quite a, quite a naturally kind of talented athlete. Maybe didn't quite have the skill set as some of the other guys, but in terms of in terms of athletically, quite naturally gifted. But I put a lot of work in when I was at uni because there, there comes to a, a stage where your kind of natural natural gifts and athleticism can only take you so far. So I started putting a lot a lot more effort into my my S and C and my my nutrition and recovery and stuff. And thankfully, I was at a, a uni that really supported me. Had had a really good network of coaches around me and doing in the weight room. So yeah, really fortunate, and um, yeah, I probably wouldn't be here without without those people. So before we break down your strength and conditioning, your nutrition, and obviously what the life of a professional rugby player is when it comes to those aspects of your life, I thought it'd be interesting. You mentioned that obviously natural gifts can only get you so far, and then I suppose it's the mental aspect of trying to progress day on day, trying to be a better version of yourself. How important is it being a professional athlete to have a strong mental mental head in the sense that you're you're approaching each day trying to improve? Yeah, it's an interesting point. I think. Obviously, as a an athlete, you go into every day trying to be better than the day before. But I think you have to have a certain degree of patience as well as resilience because, you know, not every day is going to be perfect. So you have days where, you know, training doesn't quite go to plan or you don't feel as good you saw from the day before or the game or the weekend. So it's kind of being making sure that, you know, you just keep at it and you kind of look at it a little bit more holistically and, in the sense that you know being able to write off a, a bad training session or a, a day we didn't quite feel right and, and making sure that you know when you come in the next day you're, you're firing and, and ready to improve because obviously as you as you mentioned that's that's what we're all striving for 
Exactly, exactly. And, and are you, if you are, tr- are you tracking your progression? I'm sure that your your coaches, your S and C coaches, they provide targets for you. Your nutrition coaches, I suppose, might keep keep track of your weight from time to time. How strict and linear is your progression when it comes to them providing you plans, for example? It's changed. Um, so when I first started as a professional. The, the coaches obviously didn't know me as a player as well, didn't know my body. And a lot of my programs were quite general and, as you said, quite linear, just looking to progress the basic markers. So, you know, increase your, your lifts in the gym, try and improve your body composition, increase your power, all those things. But it's become a little bit more nuanced the longer I've played. I mean, I'm not I'm not old by any, any stretch of the imagination, but at 24 my body feels very different to how it did when I was 21. So it's been more of a case of managing injuries, managing fatigue, making sure that, that I'm, I'm ready to play each week. In comparison to when I first started, it was a case of, you know, I'd go all out in the weight room, you know, as many days a week as I could and do the same thing on the pitch. I have to a little bit, be a little bit smarter now. Um, and obviously that's where recovery and physio treatment and all that um, really comes into it. Exactly, and I remember days when I would come and visit you as well, and you were doing two day gym sessions plus training, and that does take its toll on the body. And as I know, because I've come to watch you play a few times, you have picked up some injuries, and recovery is such an important part of not only a professional athlete's life, but obviously anyone who is um, putting their body through any sort of impact. How seriously are you taking your recovery? What are you doing if you pick up an injury to ensure that you're you're fighting fit as soon as possible? Well, I mean, for, in a recovery perspective, the way I look at it is the training and the playing is the easy bit. The recovery is the tough bit because the training, the playing, that's stimulating. It's exciting. It's, it's kind of why you get into a sport and, you know, try and play professionally from the outset and recovery I find is the tough of it because it you know it can be tedious it can be repetitive you, you're often doing it alone so it's kind of an individual responsibility you're not with your teammates etc but I mean as, as I've already mentioned the older I've got even by a couple of years the the more emphasis you've got to put on recovering when you're playing week in week out because otherwise you're not going to get the most out of your body you can train as much as you want if you don't recover properly you're never going to be getting the most out of your body on the pitch or uh, on the training pitch Exactly, and that's obviously we do try and touch on recovery quite a lot in this podcast to allow people to understand that obviously you're you're training your muscles when you're you're in the gym, you're working out, but the time you're actually building your muscles is during that rest period. So we do try and place an emphasis on this. And I was interested that you said that you know you're, you're by yourself, you're not with your team during your recovery phase, and that must be quite a transition from being in such a, a sport where it's so focused on camaraderie and teamwork. And we actually um, I spoke to, a while ago to another professional rugby player from uh, Hull FC Rugby League in the UK. And he said the same thing, that it actually has quite a big effect on your, your mental health, suddenly going from the limelight potentially uh, playing playing matches to then having sessions by yourself, having to stay longer after sessions by yourself to, to do these to do these different things. How do you cope with that, that sort of sense of going from being so embedded in a team to then potentially being isolated, doing recovery by yourself? Does that, uh, does that impact you as well? Yeah, I think for me at the moment, I'm, I'm luckily for the last couple of years I haven't had any any injuries that have been long term and so as you know I, you know um, my first year as a pro I had a an injury that sidelined me for five months and and that's the real hard stuff because that is when you are on your own completely I'm not sure if I've actually told you yet but I've also got an injury I'm sure I might have mentioned it but uh, yeah I've just uh, had my MRI and I've got a 
bruised ACL, a degenerative left meniscus and a torn Baker's cyst. So I've already been told as well that I have six months of no impact sport and obviously someone being so sporty, it really does take a mental toll on you just knowing how long you'll be out of out of action. And I suppose it's keeping yourself busy in other regards and other aspects of life as well that will stop you thinking about the parts of your life that you're missing out on and just listening to the expert opinion on your physiotherapy, not trying to push an injury to, before it's ready and, and so on. Yeah, I think that's, that's you probably hit the nail on the head. And the hardest thing is, I found from long-term injury, was the period where you start to feel good yourself and you kind of start to think, right, I think I'm ready to come back now. And the physios are telling you, no, you've got you know eight, ten more weeks of doing your rehab, doing your, your, you know, you've got your return to running and, and all that stuff. And, and that's the real hard period because you have that initial period after a diagnosis or an operation where you kind of know that you're not quite right. And then it's that, that middle period that's tough, I, I, I definitely found. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. I don't necessarily feel pain that much from my knee at the moment. And I feel as if I wouldn't want to do anything too impactful still, but I feel as if I could do the odd slow jog but uh i've been told not to do that so it's just stopping yourself yeah that's the thing about about athletes though is we're competitive and it doesn't sit well with someone who's who's obviously competed at at a high level in any sport having to sit on the sidelines and basically you know not compete and so you know that's that's why you see people occasionally get it wrong and, and push injuries back maybe a little bit fast yeah no definitely definitely i also found it interesting that you said you know after a session you try and well try and hit a hit pool try and hit a sauna we're actually touching on the sauna this week in a shorter episode what benefit do you get as a professional athlete from the sauna and how, how often do you think you're going a week so i i i'm more of a steam room guy myself uh, okay but i mean i kind of alternate you know because obviously they both have benefits but basically what i find with most of my niggles come around my hips it's where i had my operation on my hip two years ago and a lot of my my, my kind of training soreness is around my adductors and my quads and um specifically around this kind of tendon area and i find that basically applying heat to it just just basically helps with the pain management you know some people prefer to do sort of ice baths after training I, I generally find that, that heat helps more with my tendons and my hips and um, just gets me feeling good again. You know, I come out of a pool session, you know, 20 minutes in the, the sauna or the steam room and I kind of feel like I'm, I'm good to go the next day. Yes, as I said, some people prefer prefer going going really cold. I personally prefer to, to do it a little bit hotter. But another thing as well, it's, as I said, it's become a bit of a force of habit in that, yeah, I mean, I like, I like going to that part of the gym anyway because it gives you 20 minutes, half an hour to yourself no one's got their phones, it's quiet, and you can kind of escape for a little bit. You know, there's there's no no social media, there's no no one's really talking. And um, yeah, I definitely think that's good good for the mind as well as the body. Definitely, it's, it gives you a, I mean, when I go in, it gives you, a, you're, you're relaxed. Obviously, what you were saying about injury as well, it's helping improve your circulation. So you are getting more oxygen nutrients to the body to help potentially repair any damaged muscles so there's that aspect as well yeah. so you are getting yeah that, that uh, recovery that you you need um, but again as you said there are benefits of cold therapy as well so it probably is a, a personal preference yeah absolutely yeah I, I think that's as i said you kind of i'd say it's, it's probably it's probably more people more players who, who prefer to go down the heat route just because there's a little bit more um sort of <laughs> less, less taxing but yeah i'm, I'm definitely on, on that side yeah. <laughs> uh, what would be useful now, I think, just to allow the listeners to really understand what goes into 
being a professional athlete. Would you be able to run us through your day? What sort of time you start? What goes into, even, even up to, do you have things you need to consider before going to sleep so that you get up feeling fresh? Yeah, so, I mean, a, a normal training day for us starts around about seven. So we'll get into into the club at about seven. So I'm normally up kind of quarter to six. I'm pretty strict with my breakfast, so I, I just can't operate with, you know, I see some people operating with, you know, they're either fasting or they're, they're operating on, on a minimal minimal breakfast. I've got to have, you know, eggs in the morning and everything like that. So I get up pretty early, get to the club for about seven o'clock. Sometimes I have like a physio appointment if you've had a, a bit of a niggle from the game the previous weekend or from training the day before, kind of get those ironed out, get some soft tissue. We do screening as well, like physio screening. So we've got a couple of markers on certain tests that we need to hit. Otherwise, you know, physios will come and have a chat with us and, and make sure that we're kind of feeling okay. Then we go. We tend to go into sort of meetings where we'll, we'll do our preview and review, like video analysis, on either the team we've just played, so reviewing how we how we did the week before, or um, kind of looking forward to to the next game and kind of seeing what we're gonna what we're gonna do. And then from there, we kind of we, we go generally down to the gym, spend an hour hour and a half in the gym. Um, we we split our days, so we do every week in the club. We do an upper body session, a lower body session, and a full body power session. And sometimes do an extra one on a Wednesday if we've we've got a long turnaround. And then long long period of rest after after the gym session, which kind of leads into our our main training session of the day, which is generally between about an hour and an hour and a half. And once once that's done, we, we tend to finish quite early. So, you know, even if you've got physio after training, generally be out by about half two, um, which obviously gives you plenty of time to recover. And that's obviously when you need to really pile the food in and, and make sure you're eating enough, especially after a kind of high intensity training day. You don't we don't generally have long enough long enough breaks to get a proper meal in. As I said, I try and get to the pool in the afternoon, um, do some kind of recovery type stuff. Or, you know, a lot of the other boys have got other other things going on, so they're kind of hobbies, etc. And then, yeah, as you said, you're basically looking forward to getting ready for the next day. Stuff like, um, I mean, I, I've I've been using CBD oil now for about a year, year and a half before I go to bed. Zinc, mag- zinc magnesium, casein, basically just making sure that when you wake up, you know, half five, quarter to six again, the next day you're ready to go and, and do it all over again. It's very, uh, yeah, it's quite an intense day, isn't it, for someone? A few things I want to touch on. I'll, I'll go question by question, actually. So the first thing was, could you just break down your upper body and lower body session? Are they sort of hypertrophy? And then your power session, you're looking at a low rep range, maybe going for one one rep maxes? Or can you just break down what, the, what you're doing in these different sessions? So it, generally in season, so from September to May, when we're playing games every week, it's generally lower rep and working more on strength with the the uppers and lower sections. So we'll kind of be working between about three and six on most of our exercises. And we generally, what happens is we'll be on a, a four-week program where we steadily increase the weight and then we have a deload week and then we kind of, they'll start with, with new exercises that add some new movements in there um, and do the whole thing again. And then obviously the power day is, is basically slightly lighter weights, but trying to trying to generate force. So as I said, it's basically putting putting a little bit less on the bar and, and making sure it moves quickly. And obviously doing it for for lower for lower reps. So generally sort of two to four on most of the stuff. And power is obviously such an important attribute in rugby in particular. Yeah, absolutely. As in, you know, do a lot of Olympic lifting, a lot of um, kind of plyometric, but also, you know, just a lot of, we do a lot of banded, banded stuff. So like banded bench, banded squat, lower the weights down and then really increase the resistance just to kind of really maximise that, that power output. 
Mm. I myself have never done a deload week. Do you feel a benefit of this after finishing a program before starting a, a, another week of heavier lifting? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a massive advocate of it. I've kind of been doing it. Uh, my my uh, S&C coaches at, at university are big advocates of it as well. So it's now I've been doing it for almost six years, kind of four four to six weeks of, of working on a program. And then you have your week where you're you go through your movements, but you're not you're not really lifting anything heavy. I, I think I think I, I definitely think it works because I mean by that last week in the pro, you know if, whether it's the fourth or the sixth week, the last week of the program, you're really trying to push PBs and you're trying to max out. And to try and do it again the next week, it just I just it just doesn't work. Guys are they need that week to get fresh again. And as I said, like we're we're not we're not powerlifters, we're not bodybuilders, we're we're you know athletes. So it's not just about what we're doing in the gym. It's about making sure that we feel good when we get out on the pitch as well. And I think deload deload week is a massive part of that. Mm, definitely, definitely. And obviously, I said there's quite a few parts to this question. You mentioned as well you've been on CBD oil for a year. Obviously, this industry is growing massively, and it's something we've touched on as well. It'd be interesting to hear your obviously. Well, I presume because you have been on it for a year, you are feeling the benefits. Yeah, I mean, I actually it's quite interesting. I actually started taking it. I had a couple of concussions last year, and um, I was recommended it, and uh, I kind of looked into it a little bit. And obviously, a lot of uh, a lot of NFL players, a lot of hockey players, kind of. People in in sports which are which are prone to concussion started start using CBD oil and kind of swear by it. So I, I tried it out mainly for that purpose. I found it helped, but I also then the other effects of it, so helping with joint pain and just kind of general recovery, um, especially with your sleep. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've noticed since I started taking it was um, the improvement in the quality of my sleep. So I'd sleep, I could sleep eight hours, and it would feel like I've been asleep for twelve. Um, really? you really get into that deep sleep and yeah I'm a huge advocate of it I'm, I'm interested to see whether how the market grows and where it kind of uh, goes from here I've seen so at the moment I, I use an oil but obviously some people you like to kind of use rubs or mm-hmm. I've even seen they've started using it in, in kind of sparkling drinks and stuff and so yeah really interested to see where it goes and I'm, I'm definitely kind of keen to keen to kind of uh, keep using it no, exactly. It's a very interesting market to follow at the moment. And as you said, there are there is validation behind it. There's a lot of people who are saying that they are experiencing benefits. And it's obviously up to individuality as well. Some people might not have the exact benefit, uh, like you're saying, for their sleep, but they might experience it for their joint recovery. It really, there is some biological individuality that comes into it. But I have seen mostly positive experiences from, obviously, reputable firms that are selling it. Yeah, I mean, it's, as I said, it's mainly kind of anecdotal evidence. It's people who've, who've yeah, exactly. already said, personally i feel like it's worked i'm not the, the science behind it isn't something that i'm massively i don't know a huge amount about it but my personal anecdotal evidence would be that i'd, I'd recommend it to someone in a similar situation to myself good yeah no and it will be interesting to see whether any sort of formal studies come out on it so we'll just have to watch this space d- develop definitely yeah absolutely and the final sort of uh, aspect of your daily life, I'm sure there is much more we would like to touch on, but obviously for uh, the sake of time, you said you, you know, you sometimes take casein, which is a more slower release protein overnight. Yeah. Is this something that's, uh, you know, have you actually purposely made this decision rather than going with a normal whey supplement or is it something that you've been recommended from your coaches? Yeah, something I was recommended again when I was at university is kind of, as it's quite well documented, the benefits of uh, slow release kind of milk-based protein the way I see it is it's an alternative to having a meal before you go to bed um, and sometimes as, as you know like if you if you're kind of deciding what you're going to eat before you go to bed you can sometimes make a, a bad decision and yeah so it kind of it, it takes away that decision from you um, it, it's something that's read, readily available I've got it by by bedside 
and yeah, basically, basically is the equivalent of having a meal before you go to bed. Again, there's there's loads of science that supports it, and I think as a, as an athlete, um, when you're given that amount of well documented kind of scientific research um, that shows that something something can be beneficial to your performance, you kind of you you're normally pretty keen to to get on board with it, and that's kind of kind of me and Casey. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not something I take every night, but especially after a hard training day, it's, I, th- I think it definitely has its benefits. Yeah, recovery-wise, definitely. So obviously that's part of your nutrition, having a supplement, you're supplementing your diet. And we know that nutrition is so key for athletes, for progress in the gym. If you're trying to put on muscle, obviously you need to be in a calorie surplus, or if you want to be losing body fat, then you need to be in a deficit. How important to you is your nutrition and could you give us examples of what you might eat that sort of prepares you and allows you to recover from a hard day's work so as i said in the morning i tend to try and have quite a big breakfast uh, it's just a personal choice i know guys the players who um who either don't eat a huge amount or don't really eat at all in the mornings because it kind of makes them feel fasting or whatever but i mean i, I personally try to go for a big breakfast lots of protein you kind of i normally smash about six eggs with my breakfast uh six eggs some toast and a coffee and then as i as I already mentioned the those periods in between our training sessions i, I struggle to eat a proper meal so i, I tend to go for like, you know a shake and then maybe some sort of uh, like a greek yogurt or something like that a little bit lighter and um after that main training session is in the days when you kind of have your proper meal so two o'clock and the time to go to bed where yeah just kind of quite basic stuff like a, a good protein source i try you know some i try and vary it between chicken red meat and, and fish kind of clean a clean carb like white rice or a pasta or something like that and then obviously trying to get as much veg in as you can in each meal uh, it obviously it's, it's something that it comes down a lot to personal taste so some, mm-hmm. some guys like eating certain things more than others but i'd say that's that's probably pr- pretty uh similar to a lot of other players at the moment down to it, isn't it? Taste your goals, whether coaches want you to put on weight, lose a bit of weight, whether they want you to... Yeah, it really just depends on it, the, the individuals themselves. Different goals. Um, the, there's probably the critical mass falls into the camp of kind of maintenance of body weight while trying to get lead, trying to improve your kind of body composition. And then you've got guys on either side, some guys who tend to be the younger fellas who are trying to put a little bit of weight on. And then you, you occasionally get someone, you know, coming back from an injury or from um, an off season who has to kind of improve their body comp and, and lose a bit of weight. And obviously, yeah, your, your nutrition, as, as you've already touched on, is, is pretty much the most important part, probably more important even than, than the training you're doing. Mm. Um, you know, you see guys who training training as hard as everyone else and maybe not doing doing the right stuff when they go home um and it, it, you, you definitely see you know it can affect players but conversely you know the guys who, who train hard and and do the right stuff once they leave the club you know they, you definitely see those are the guys who, who tend to be uh fit pretty much every weekend well exactly uh, you know fitness your training that could be five six hours of your day if you're a professional athlete but if you are your nutrition is probably up to 16 hours of that it's getting it right and as you, as you said outside of the the training camp the, the actual focus where you're surrounded by coaches and other people is getting it right when you're by yourself and making these conscious healthy decisions yeah so it's what kind of going back to what i said earlier about recovery is the training and the playing is the easy bit like it's everything mm. else that, that is the hard bit so you know those if you're whether whether you're a professional athlete and you're training for multiple hours a day or if you're someone who works nine to five and you get in the gym for an hour a day that hour or that five or six hours or whatever that's the easy bit that's the bit that you know you enjoy it's as you said the rest of the day while you're awake 
making those conscious decisions to recover, to make sure you're eating the right things, etc. That that's definitely the the greater of the challenges, I'd say. I think that's for everyone as well, not just professional athletes. It's always the the difficult part, just being not strict with yourself, but just less, you know having the the right lifestyle choices to be getting closer towards your goals. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's, it's kind of discipline. Once you get into those habits and you can find that discipline, it definitely becomes easier. Exactly. And then, Rob, if we could just finish then, if you touch on why do you think or how do you think that exercise and keeping your body fit has helped with your mental health? And then how do you unwind when you're away from the pitch and not focusing on your, your career, your rugby? Okay, so I think this kind of um, links in quite nicely with what we, we were talking about earlier about being injured kind of long term. And I think that's definitely one of the, the kind of toughest periods I've had in my life was not being able to, to exercise for you know almost half a year. I definitely, definitely felt it, it kind of affected my mental well-being and, you know, gen- my kind of general happiness. Um, and I, I pretty much attribute most of that to not being able to exercise. I think obviously the scientific reasons for exercising, you know, releasing endorphins, etc. But I think just generally giving yourself a purpose, giving yourself a bit of structure. You know, if you're going to the gym every day, it provides some, that sort of discipline in your life where from that sort of structure, you know, say, you, for example, like if you go to the gym every day before work you know before you've even punched in you know you've done something you know you're you're kind of you're developing yourself you're looking to improve yourself and that i mean i, I can't i can't really see how that's ever going to be going to be a detriment and, and absolutely would would kind of speak to the the advantageous effects of it myself but it would transfer as well wouldn't it if you have discipline in one aspect of your life like your health then you'll have discipline when it comes to your career you'll work harder at uh, you know trying to trying to do, get, get the work, best work out there that you possibly can so I think it is very um, transferable that discipline yeah absolutely I mean, as I said like it's, that's that's the bit which you should enjoy as well you know training or, or going to the gym or whatever that you know that's the bit that's the hour of your day that, that you know if that you should be enjoying and you know I think um, if you kind of lose that, and I found you know, even myself, when you go through an off season, you go a couple of days without without exercising, you start to feel sluggish, and you start to kind of um, just not in, you're not in, you're not making the most of your day, and you're not enjoying it as much. Yeah, for sure. I suppose final question then is professional athletes, especially someone playing rugby, a high impact sport or American football, for example, there's always going to be a timeline and quite a short timeline with how long you can pursue this career for how long your body physically lets you. Is this something that all professionals are thinking about? I think some, some players certainly think about it more than others. But I think it's probably at least subconsciously in the back of everyone's mind because you know if you if you go and get a job at 21, you know, working at an accountant's firm or something like that, you there's there's no reason why you can't do that same job or work at that same company for the next you know 45 years. Whereas you know as an athlete that at some point they kind of you're going to get to the end of the line and and not be able to play anymore. You see, I think I think I think everyone everyone's thinking about it at least subconsciously, but. I think maybe some some people act on it and and try and prepare for it a little bit more actively than others. But as you said, I think everyone knows it. It's kind of it's it's probably one of those things that's not not spoken about very much while you're still playing because obviously you're doing what you love. But everyone knows it's kind of got a finite a finite lifespan. Um, and you know it's it's exciting for a lot of guys. You know what what, what the the future holds and what sort of opportunities there are after sport because obviously your career ends, but but life doesn't, so we kind of uh, look to the next challenge, which uh, is obviously a big part of, of being an athlete. Is that is that mentality of, of looking for a, a new challenge? 
always heads up and look for the next one. But thank you very much, Rob, for taking the time to, to talk to me today. It's been a great insight into the, the life of a professional athlete. Uh, we've covered a lot from you know, casein, CBD, your nutrition, recovery, and how important that is. So I think it's going to be very valuable for our listeners to really understand what goes into you know, being a high-performance athlete. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, yeah, best of luck. So that concludes today's episode of 20 Minute Fitness. I really hope you enjoyed getting an insight into the daily life of a professional athlete. And obviously just it becomes clearer that they are thinking about their training, their recovery, in particular recovery actually, and their nutrition for the majority of the day. This isn't just when they're at their training ground. This isn't just when they're training. Many other hours left in the day for them to focus on how they're going to get maximal sleep. Well, obviously Rob's taking CBD to help him with that. Thinking about his recovery, heading to the pool after a session to make sure that he's primed and ready for the next session and that day by day or day on day he's trying to be better than he was before so he's working very hard outside of that time to make sure he's a more rounded athlete to make sure he's progressing his game and that's their mentality and determination I think we find many professional athletes that it's about your mental game your consistency it's about pushing yourself more than someone else will for example if it's terrible weather it's still getting out there and working towards your your future goal I think it's a great um, mentality for us to sort of emulate in our own health and fitness practices as we go about our daily lives. So thank you very much again, Rob, for coming on the show and sharing that with us. Very interesting episode, lots covered. And obviously, we'll catch up very soon, but thank you once again. And for the listeners, I hope you enjoyed and make sure you tune in real soon for the next episode of 20 Minute Fitness.